Welcome back to Core of the Matter. I am your host, Thelny. Um, this week, we have a special guest, uh, Lisa Ellen Miller. She's a political uh, science prof- professor here at Rutgers. Um, and she's here to kind of talk to us about some about topics about within like the poli-sci field and also especially with the upcoming election as well. Um, so thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. Um, so to start off, just to kind of give us like a little background about yourself, um, how did you get started in the political science field and was it always something that you wanted to pursue? I think it was always, I think it was something I wanted to pursue, I just didn't know it. Right. So I had an undergraduate major that was interdisciplinary and I was very interested in political issues, I was interested in gender, um, this was the 80s so there was a lot of stuff on apartheid going on in oh, South right, Africa, right? right? Yeah. But it took me a little while to figure out the political science was the field I wanted to be in right. because I didn't major in politics as an undergraduate. Right. So. Um, I sort of dabbled, you know, looking at history departments, American studies, mm-hmm. and then I, I sort of discovered political science and thought, oh, here's where I belong. Right, <laughs> right, because um, with uh, poli-sci, kind of a lot of people that major in it, they kind of, it's kind of like a stepping stone to like the law field or something. So like, because um, like a lot of political science majors that I know, they're like, oh yeah, I just want to go to law school. So like what kind of made you know that like you didn't want to pursue law and that like this was something that like you wanted to go with? I can tell you exactly why I decided not to pursue law. In fact, I like a lot of other people, I was thinking about law school. Right. And then I worked for a lawyer and when I got out of undergrad. Um, mm-hmm. And I realized, and, I, and I, I worked for a very interesting lawyer. He did... Um, mental health litigation oh, he wow. actually yeah he actually was one of the early litigators on state mental health institutions okay. and the terrible conditions that they had this was in the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. and um, his parents were Holocaust survivors so he had this really kind of deep commitment to detention you know the, right. the idea of like the state saying you're going to stay here right. um, and then the abuse of course that took mm-hmm. place so he, it was very passionate work it was great work uh, and I thought, well, this sounds like it'll be great. And it was actually extremely boring. <laughs> and primarily because, you know, a lot of law is just taking an argument from one case and tweaking it for the next case. Right. You know, there just wasn't a lot of creativity. I even went to a trial with him in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they settled the case before the jury ever got to even hear, uh, you know, decide. Oh, yeah. And that was rare. Yeah. Trials were rare, right? So I realized that was just one legal experience. But I, I, I realized that I was more interested in learning to understand how things work and how power works. Right. And in talking about it and explaining it, than I was in just pursuing outcomes, which right. is what you know being a lawyer is all about. Right, yeah. Because um, I feel like being a lawyer also, there are some um, misrepresentations, I guess, because some people just think it's just this really, like, this really eventful environment. But most of the time, you're just kind of in your office, like, going through contracts. Or yeah, I, mean, I think it depends what kind of law you want right. to do. If you want to litigate, which is going into court and, right. you know, filing motions and, and you know, making claims in court and, and maybe making arguments to the judge mm-hmm. and to juries. Um, you know, that I think has a little bit more of the side we see on TV and movies, right? right? Uh, but most of what law is, is not that. Yeah. Um, and so, but if you want to do that, you can certainly, you know, aim to do like criminal law or you can, you know, there's other ways of getting involved in litigating civil mm-hmm. suits. 
Um, but it's a pretty small part, you know, of what right. most I feel like do. a lot of people get misguided when they see like law shows on TV and it's like, oh, like all lawyers make like the six figure salary. Right, right. Well, and the whole dramatic sort of, you know, right. walk in the room and slam yeah. the briefcase on the exactly. table, right? So that is not how court operates. <laughs> like, in fact, people should go to courtrooms, yeah. right? And they should work for law firms because they can see if it's what they really want. And for some people, it's a great fit. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of people, I think they realize it's not it's it's not the exciting, intellectually kind right. of stimulating field they thought it was. Which again isn't to to bash the field. No, it's no. great for some people, oh, just yeah. not for everyone. Um. So, what kind of led you here? Directors? Yeah. Oh, um, so I got my first job in the year 2000 as an assistant professor at Penn State University, actually. Oh, wow. Penn State College for four years. Um, But I was not in a political science department. I actually got hired in a a multidisciplinary program with inside the sociology Mm -hmm. department. And that was a program called Crime Law and Justice. Mm -hmm. And multidisciplinary programs can be a challenge because, you know, it's just not clear where you fit, and the standards for evaluating tenure can be murky. Um, so it was not a good fit for me in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, State College is beautiful, but we knew we didn't want to be there forever. Right. So when a friend of mine told me that Rutgers was hiring in political science, but that I would also be teaching two classes for the criminal justice program, mm-hmm. I thought that's perfect. So I applied, and here I am. Nice. <laughs> and um, so what would you say that this, like, how would you say that this, university is different from the other institutions that you've taught at? Oh, that's a good question. In, I mean, in one sense, so I, I did my PhD at the University of Washington in Seattle. I did my undergrad degree at the University of Virginia mm-hmm. in Charlottesville. I've been at Penn State and Rutgers. So I've, I've been in four really big state the two research rival, universities. The two right? schools. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been in some big, you know, research universities that are public institutions. Um, and so in a sense, they, you know, they, sh- they share certain characteristics of uh, being state schools. Um, you know, Penn State and Rutgers in particular share, um, you know, sort of st- constrained resources in terms of yeah. not having tons of money to just throw around, right. um, which is true of all state universities when I was at the University of Washington. Virginia is a little bit wealthier for a number of reasons, but um, so that's one thing. Um, but I have to say, Rutgers students are amazing. Like, they're, they're definitely the most diverse. <laughs> no, it's true. The Rutgers students, I mean, I loved, I was an undergrad at UVA, so I can't really evaluate the students there from an academic perspective. But, um, you know, University of Washington, Penn State, terrific students. I really enjoy teaching in both those places. But um, the diversity of the Rutgers population is an incredible asset. Right. It's really an incredible asset because people just bring all kinds of different experiences to the classroom and, and the more the the broader the the range of people's right. experiences and expertise and talents and skills, mm-hmm. the um, better, you know, right. for all of us because you're exposing a huge range of people to different opportunities. Right. And like um, it's good that you mentioned that too because in my background I come from a really diverse um, school as well. But then coming to Rutgers like Rutgers was kind of like our backyard. I yeah. lived like 20 mi- um, minutes away, so it was just kind of like we all knew that we would end up here, Yeah, at least for our first degree, but it's a whole different experience when you actually attend the school mm. because like you think that you've been exposed to all of these cultures and all of these um, different walks of life, yeah. I guess you could say, but then it's a completely different experience because like the person next to you is like, 
could be from a completely di- di- different country even. Well, yeah, and, 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 like I love, yeah, yeah. and I love, too, that, like, you you just, you know, you, you never know. You can look exactly. at somebody and you never know. They could be fourth-generation American. Right. They could be, you know, have been here for two years. They could speak seven languages. They could speak no language but English, right? I mean, there's just this yeah, huge exactly, range. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, it's wonderful. Right, yeah. and, like, it's such a great environment, too, because you can kind of really grow, I think, from talking to a lot of people who have different experiences than you. Yes, I agree, very yeah. much so. Yeah, right. very much, yeah. Um, so how do you think, within like the political field itself, how do you think Rutgers has kind of like facilitated um, political involvement within campus? Yeah, I don't exactly know how to answer that. I mean, I'm not too familiar with what Rutgers does in terms of student organizations, I know there's funding and there's, yeah. but I don't really know sort of, I know there's a get out the vote thing, yeah. but I don't know if that's run by Rutgers there's or student like, um, groups. Eagleton to yeah, the, Well, yeah, like, so, and so we're very connected as a department to Eagleton, right. and so they do a lot of things, yeah. So I think that's all great. The stuff I see coming out of Eagleton and all the get out the vote, and the student organizations are very active. And, right. I mean, certainly as far as I can tell, Rutgers seems to support that stuff. I don't see them getting in the way, right? Right, yeah. Um, so I don't have a lot to compare it to, but it seems right. like there's a fairly active student body right. here at Rutgers, which I think is is really great mm-hmm. and really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And how do you think that um, when, like, a university does back its students up, like, how do you think that can encourage students to be more politically active? Yeah, I mean... I, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Right. Because, you know, sort of the get out the vote campaigns are great, but, you know, we vote every couple of years. Right. You know, it's not like there's, I mean, there's so many other ways to be involved right. politically. Well, I mean, I think some of it is department specific, right? right. I mean, a lot of things in, a, in an academic environment revolve around either student organizations or departments. Right. Um, so I know that, you know, we have internship programs and I know some yeah. departments do too. Um, I know that, you know, we, a lot of different professors have people come in and talk mm-hmm. to students that are from different political, you know, organizations. Um, you know, one of my colleagues takes students down to Washington, oh, really? D.C. Actually, I take students down. Well, I, well, I should plug this program while I'm here. Go for um, it. <laughs> I'm currently the director of a program called the Lloyd C. Gardner Fellowship in Leadership and Social Policy. Mm-hmm. And this program, you interview for it in the spring of your sophomore year, and, and it takes place during your junior year. And one of the things we do is go to D.C. and we also go to the U.N. Um, so, wow. you know, there are other things like that. I think people have to, I'm not sure you'll stumble across them if you're not right. looking. Yeah. Right? So maybe there exactly. are more things the university could do to sort of put these things in front of right. students. Um, right. Yeah. Um, because I actually found out about the program like this year. So too late. yeah, right. exactly. It's too late, and I was like, "Wow!" Like if I knew this, and I would have applied. I know. Sooner. Yeah, yeah, we're working on getting right, the information yeah. out more. Yeah. yeah, and I think that also has to do with like being such a big school. It's really hard to like be on top of things. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. especially with this. But yeah, I also agree with you. One thing I would really like to see Rutgers do, and I have no idea how to do mm-hmm. this, but um, I would like to see more Rutgers students um, going into politics, mm-hmm. and specifically going into New Jersey politics. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at a lot of other state universities, I mean, I know this was true of UVA, mm-hmm. a lot of the state lawmakers were UVA graduates. 
And Rutgers actually has a comparatively small number of yeah. state legislators and who are Rutgers graduates. And you would think as being like the state university of New Jersey, there would be a lot more. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And I think I think that the state would really benefit from yeah. having more Rutgers graduates in the legislature, mm-hmm. from having more Rutgers graduates involved in politics, and then just more Rutgers graduates generally in politics. Right. Like I think that I look at my students and I think, you know, these we are the future of. Right. of I mean, that's a cliche, but I mean, you no, are in the sense of of. You know, somebody in your generation right. is going to have to be involved in politics. So why not you right. guys? <laughs> exactly. And like, what maybe um, steps do you think the school can take? Yeah, that's that a good question. Yeah, I mean, I know. Sorry, I'm asking no, that's all okay. of these, like no. in depth questions. No, no, that's fine. I mean, I, 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 you know, having literally no experience at all with right. this, I'll just you know speculate anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, one thing maybe. I, mean, I would look at other universities' best practices. You know, what do universities mm-hmm. do to try to track their students better into help them? You know, mm-hmm. into these things. Um, I mean, one thing would be to develop closer ties um, with um, you know government agencies or mm-hmm. or political um, uh, you know like the like the Eagleton Institute does the right. women in politics training, right? Mm-hmm. So more of those kinds of things. You know, involve like bipartisan or nonpartisan. You right. know. Um, nonpartisan political training, mm-hmm. right? So opportunities for students to say, "Hey, I think I might want to do this, but I have no idea what it's about," and have some, you know, people come in from different, right. you know, uh, from a range of right. of uh, jobs within, right. you know, how you get involved in politics, how do you, what does it mean to run a campaign or be in a campaign? What kinds of things do people need? Um, you know, how do you get started? Um, because I think people are kind of intimidated by the idea, right? Exactly. Right? Because it's not that they don't want to join, but it's just that they don't know how to start. Right. And then they, it's like sometimes when like a bunch of things are thrown at a person, they just get overwhelmed and it's just like, no, I can't do it. It's too much. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. And so seeing sort of what the pathway looks like, especially from early on in their records, you know, education, let's sort of see, oh, if I want to get involved, these are the things to do. Right. But also to realize that there are a lot of other things besides being the candidate. Mm -hmm. You know, there are a lot of ways to be involved. There's a lot of like back, tons. Tons. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's speech writers, the economic advisors, right. there's fundraisers, people who raise money for campaigns mm-hmm. can do If you're good at it, then do it. <laughs> yeah. But I think you can make a lot of money yeah. because there are hard, it's hard to find really good fundraisers, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. So I think there are a lot of opportunities that we don't necessarily talk about. And as a department, you know, we study politics, we don't practice politics. Right. So I don't think we necessarily think of it you know, as much. Right. Um, but I, I'd like to see, I'd like to see it be a little easier for students to see what those careers look right. like. Yeah. So we talk about how um, Rutgers like encourages its students in a way. So how do you think that the school itself may be either directly or indirectly like preventing its students from being more involved um, within the political process? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really see the university throwing down obstacles. Right. I mean, I, you know, I could be wrong. Maybe there's things I don't know about, but I don't see that. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to me that there's a really robust set of student organizations and that students, you know, can mobilize right. pretty quickly if they need to across organizations, mm-hmm. um, which is great. Um, so I, I don't really see that, but, but again, maybe that's just my, you know, where I'm situated mm-hmm. in the university, but it seems to me that it's a pretty free freewheeling you know place in terms of opportunities for students mm-hmm. yeah um so enough talking about Rutgers <laughs> <laughs> so in general especially with the upcoming election how do you think that politicians regardless of the party how do you think they can get how do you think they can encourage more youth involvement yeah 
Well, one thing to know is that young people are the least likely voters. Right. Right. And and I think the reason... Which we saw in the past election right. as well. But yeah. that's true forever. Right. And I think there's a very simple reason for that, which is that you just don't see what's at stake yet. Mm -hmm. Right. You don't typically have a home, professional career. You're not right. paying taxes in the rate that others, right? So you may work, but it's not, you know, you're not dependent on your income in the way you are when you come out of college right. in terms of everything. And so all of those things become a lot more salient. And we have children, you think about things like mm -hmm. crime in schools and, right? So I think that's just kind of an age phenomenon that I don't think is likely to change. So mm -hmm. I think that that what, I think there's a couple things, you know, that, that um, need to happen, which is, first of all, to be attentive to what younger generations are, what they care about, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, to some extent, we have a political class right now that's talking about Either talking about issues that are that the young people just don't really yeah. care aren't, aren't concerned about anymore, or are talking about issues in a way, an old way mm -hmm. that isn't innovative and new for the globalized world. Exactly, and um, because in um, some of like the poli sci classes that I've taken, it's kind of like I'm really interested in the subject at hand, but also like it's not kind of applicable now. And so I feel like that's kind of like where the miscommunication happens and where students it's don't not become speaking interested. To you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's I think that's valid. I think that that's, you know, as as somebody in my early fifties, you know, I sort of you realize just how much we you realize that as long as you get older, you know, sort mm -hmm. of the distance, but you know, you have these moments in your life where you take stock and realize, wow, this is a very, very right. different world. Like you didn't just grow up in a different world um, in, in terms of the things that I remember, the Cold War and mm -hmm. so on. You know, you grew up post-September 11th, right, yeah. <laughs> right? Which is like... I was two or three. Yeah, right, which right, is an yeah. event that was like, you know, I was already in my, I was already, I had, had small children, right. I had a professional career at that point yeah. in my life, right? So I think it's, I think that that's true, there's a lag, you know, mm -hmm. in sort of recognizing what's gonna get kids really engaged. Right. Um, and I think that's true probably across all institutions. Right. Um, but I think, so I think that's important. At the same time, I think it's important not to necessarily assume that the most vocal young people represent all young people, right? right? And I think that's one of the one of the pitfalls that mm -hmm. some of the There's democratic campaigns representation. Yeah, have gotten, have fallen into, which exactly. is the assumption that the loudest people, when actually sometimes the loudest people are the most preferent, are the most extreme, right? Right. Yeah. Um, when, you know, people, other people are worried. Like, like I'll tell you the college debt thing, for example. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, a, that's an issue. Mm -hmm. But for a lot of our students, um, you know, Rutgers is a state university. Mm -hmm. for, a, a, for some students, you know, they're able to get through it mm -hmm. without debt because they live at home or whatever right. else. For other students, they have debt, but not two hundred thousand right. dollars. I mean, it would be hard to come out of Rutgers with two hundred thousand right. dollars yeah. in debt. Right? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Right? Yeah. Um, and so some of those things feel applicable to people who go to these very elite schools, exactly. right? And then come out without. But that's a choice, right? right? Right, right. So there are things like that that I think are. I think our students are often thinking about. You know, first of all, getting a job, but also exactly. how's that job going to translate into an income right. that will allow me to have a family and buy a housing. Costs in New Jersey are absolutely are insane, insane compared yeah. to income. Yeah, so yeah. I think you know, engaging and finding out what young people are interested in mm -hmm. can at least maximize, um, right. you know, young people yeah. involvement. Because a lot of the times, a lot of these politicians on both sides, um, they kind of like. Oh my God, sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> okay, um, they're speaking to different issues, or yeah, wait. 
Oh my God, I'm so sorry. That's okay. That happens to me all the time. You're too young for that. I was literally, yeah, no, no, yeah. <laughs> it was like young people. Um, anyway, that's okay. I I think it's something about like young people and like the politicians and. Well, anyway, I'm so sorry. It's okay. Um, so, generally, what do you hope to see change in the future involving the youth or the younger generation? Well, I, I just really, I mean, I, I worry that the climate mm-hmm. we're in has turned a lot of the students oh, off to sure. politics, right? And so people just say, it's all ridiculous, it's all stupid, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then just don't get involved. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, and also the sort of cynicism that says, you know, no politician really cares about anything. And I just think that's wrong. I think that, I think on average, most people in elected positions really want to represent their constituents right. and really want to do something good. Um, but there's a, there are a lot of reasons why that doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I hope that young people don't get too discouraged because I would hate, you know, 20 years from now to be having this big gap. I mean, if, if, if good well-meaning, smart, motivated young people aren't getting involved in politics. Somebody's going to get involved in politics, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. And who is it going to be if it's right. not you guys, if it's not the people right. that are, that are experience, have lots of experience mm-hmm. with lots of different types of people who are motivated, mm-hmm. who've gotten themselves into Rutgers and, and graduated mm-hmm. from Rutgers, um, you know, then then I think, you know, it just impoverishes the whole exactly. feel of politics more. Right. So I would like to see you all very engaged. Because I feel like there's already this stigma that, like, um, what politicians are talking about, like it won't really affect people our age now, and what we were talking about before too, is that like people my age, especially, I have friends who don't vote. Like, right. I'm I'm like the friend in the friend group that makes sure right. that everyone goes out and vote. But it's kind of sad sometimes when they're like, no, like it's not going to affect yeah. me. But yeah. it's like, but in the long run, it essentially will. Well, and that's where I think you know. So there are a lot of exciting things happening um, that we don't hear about a lot. And I think because the 24-hour news cycle is just always so dramatic and negative. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, you know, young people, I think, are are on the forefront of environmental um, issues and change. You know, Mm -hmm. thinking about how, you know, what what could the country look like in 50 years in terms of how we consume energy, Mm -hmm. where it comes from, how we reuse it, what kinds of innovations and new technologies can we develop... Um, you know, things like how do we reconstruct this infrastructure that we have, which is very old and in need of all kinds of change. What is an innovative, right? What if it's the cutting edge? Exactly. Right? So I think thinking forward thinking like that is right. very much a, a young person's right. um, contribution. Exactly. And sometimes it's like, because um, you have a lot of younger politicians, but then um, they get kind of like they get a lot of backlash from like the older ones saying that they're inexperienced. They yeah, don't, yeah. You know, like they've only been in the arena for like a year or something. That's like the same thing that's happening with um, AOC as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I think also discourages a lot of like the younger generation. I think so politics. too, and I think also the feeling that they can't make a difference. But you know, right. there's also so many other places to be involved in politics, mm-hmm. right? There's local politics, state politics. Yeah, you know, no, and also some people don't realize that at the local levels where it's 
essentially the most important, I would say. Yeah, I mean, resources are usually very constrained right. locally, but, but it's a great place to get started. Yeah. I do think that getting experience is really important, and that can be in lots of different forms. Mm-hmm. You can volunteer for a campaign, mm-hmm. you know, you can, you can work on a campaign, mm-hmm. you can be a particular kind of staff person on a campaign. Um, so there are a lot of ways of getting experience that can deflect some of those criticisms, right? right? Um, but it's true, you're not going to come out of college probably and be 24 and run for Congress. Um, right. But but you can you know get a lot of experience in your 20s and then mm-hmm. start thinking about that stuff. Um, right. And I think it's I think you know look the only thing that's that's going to move us forward is people who are willing to just move forward, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, no, and just sort of keep sure. pushing through this exactly. kind of gridlock and, jug- right. and juggernaut that we have. Right. Yeah. Well, let's hope for the future generation then. Let's hope so. Um, but thank you so much for it coming was my pleasure. on the show. And for those of you tuning in, thank you so much for tuning in to Core of the Matter here at 90.3 The Core.